0: If you're a kid, heading off to kid land, see that big old tall dude there, Milton, raise your hand. Yeah, man, where is Destiny at? Destiny already, up, oh, right there, man. Uh, Jack bailed on him today, man, and, uh, but uh, that's all right, man. They're going to, they got it, and uh, if you're heading off the kid land, heading off on the count of three, are you ready? One, two, three! All right. <laughs> if you're an adult and you want to go down, go ahead, man, because... Dude, it's boring up here, I'm thinking, man. No. <laughs> all right. Uh Couple things real super quick. Um, right off the bat, we uh, have uh, Beach Day Monday tomorrow. And um, how many of you all been to Beach Day Monday before? We just skipped last week. And it's not because I went diving, but it was just going to be really crowded. We were going to be in people's ways. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you about that. But tomorrow, basically, we resume. And we all meet at Fort Pierce Inlet State Park. Um, it's Pay Beach, but if you've never been there, it is the nicest, most beautiful, kid-friendly beach there is. Nice, slopey beach, nice little rolling waves. and um, So everybody brings their beach toys, and um, we shove people into waves, and uh, no matter what your age, we can shove you into waves, give you free surf lessons, and we've had uh, all kinds of people go and do that. And uh, Terry's got some of the boards he's bringing uh, of my boards because my family and I, after church today, we're headed up to uh, uh, over to Webster, which is hour west of Orlando and hour east of Crystal River. And then tomorrow and then tomorrow morning, we're going to go scalloping over in Crystal River for the day and um, just kind of get a little day off and then we'll be back tuesday morning but i've got plenty of capable folks tom's going to be there tom's going to be there where's natalie at natalie in here yep natalie's going to be there natalie's bringing the word tomorrow and uh the way not like i do it but the way god has her do it man so i just come for that if i were y'all all right so anyways beach day monday starts at nine About 1130, we uh, we pull off to the side and we have a little Bible study. Uh, Karen from the Mermaid Cafe, they bring those uh, ice pops. I call them ghetto pops, you know, little ice pops. And um, they're good. They're excellent on the beach. And uh, it'll just be a good day. So just come on out and hang out if you get the opportunity. So anyways, last week, while we were uh, uh, not having Beach Day Monday, I had one of the coolest experiences of my life. Uh, Terry... uh, Took me out on a dive boat for my birthday, and uh, you know I got certified a little bit ago, not too long ago, and, or, and, and so we went out on this dive boat. And I've only been on a dive boat, you know, one other time other than this, um, and you know, dive blue heron and little shore dives and stuff. But each dive boat, you know, it's kind of a, a whole culture there, and, and it was just kind of cool. We we get there and and uh, we get on the boat, and the boat goes off, and I hear all these guys, you know, they're like, oh, this is this dude from Orlando. He's a master photographer, you know? And yeah, I mean, he comes, and he's got like this space shuttle, mini space shuttle he's carrying to be able to paint with light underwater, and the stuff he does is phenomenal, you know? And then there's this guy, you know, these guys, there's a couple of hunter guys, man. Dude, they look like Crocodile Dundee, only underwater, man, they're ready to go, and they're just like, ah, they're foaming at the mouth, ready to spear some grouper. I got my spear going, But I'm just kind of taking it all in, and I'm just going to be like, you know, hey, whatever, man. This is going to be a cool experience. If I see something to shoot, I'm pretty stoked about that. If I don't, I'm going to see other cool stuff. Had no idea really what to experience. But I'm going to tell you, it's one of the coolest things of my life. Even getting on that boat... And, uh, and and Terry's a legend in his own time. Everybody on that boat knows Terry too for various reasons. And, uh, uh, and, and and yeah, he's always on that boat. So so I was in good company. I just hung out in his shadow right there. And uh, yeah, I'm with Terry. And, and I don't know. I don't know if you ever, like shunned me or anything. No, he's not really with me. He just keeps following me. You know? <laughs> but I'm like, I'm with Terry. I'm with Terry. So get my street, get my credibility there. So we get on the boat and and you go out on the boat and it's pretty cool. It's a nice deck, open deck for everybody to be on. And and the guy starts heading north. He's like, I don't know where we're going, man. I'm like, yes. And he's like, but we're going to go find clear water. And I'm like, yes, I like clear water when I'm under it. And so we start heading north and all of a sudden they... uh, uh, they, you know, say, hey, here's where we're gonna go, and they tell you you got five minutes, ten minutes, whatever, and they're like, get yourself ready. So here you are, you got your tank on, your BC on, you got your fins on, your gloves, you got your mask, you got your regulator in your mouth, you got your spare gun. Man, you feel like the Michelin man walking, you know, on the boat there. And all of a sudden, and they tell you, they're like, dive, 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 right? and not how you do it there? They're like, dive, 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 dive. And I'm like, I'm going to suck And and then you just gotta kind of hold stuff and and whatever you can dude, you're holding it and you just dive down. And and when I jumped off the boat on the first dive, man, I mean, it was cool being on the deck. I heard cool stories, uh, heard about the dude, oh yeah, heard about the dude who had a safety stop, had a big hammerhead, hit him and flip him at his safety stop, didn't get bit or anything. Heard lots of cool stuff, but man, there wasn't anything like it until I just dove in and went straight down. And boom, man, I had, I had steel tanks, weights, and I just went straight to the bottom. And, man, we're just going straight If I look up, and there's about a six, seven-foot shark right up there that I just went. I blew right by him, man. It was awesome. <laughs> and, and there's, uh, we get down to the bottom. We're loading our spear guns, and we're snorkeling around. Big queen angels, French angels, all kinds of beautiful stuff. Few sna- uh few snapper... Uh, uh, a lot of little tropicals man and there were sharks down there not a lot on this dive there were two or three or four or five and and they were great they were Caribbean reef sharks all maybe you know five six feet something like that and they're cruising around and then they go off into the distance and so we're just cruising around and it's like yes this is awesome even though I didn't see anything to shoot when I saw the sharks I my shot selection became more selective I was not shooting garbage right Terry and um I'll tell you that story in a minute. But anyway, so so I, I didn't really see anything to shoot, but I was just digging being under there. We're down 60 to 80 feet under the water. You know what you hear? 60 to 80 feet under the water? Really almost nothing. You know? That's why Terry takes me because he would not up listen to me to talk. Like he does the whole way while we were driving. You know, I don't stop, do I? <laughs> the whole way. And so I mean, we're under there, it's beautiful. And, and we're like checking everything out and he, you know, checking our gauges and all of a sudden it's time to go up. So we go up and, and it's like, all right. And then we go up and then the boat picks us up and we grab on and, and get on the boat. Everybody talks about all the cool stuff they saw and all the cool things they did. One dude, one of the guys that was frothing at the mouth had a nice grouper, you know. Other people had some lionfish they shot, you know. Terry and I just had stories that I just followed him, you know. And, and we're there and it was really just kind of cool. And, and it was like, what a great experience. So at that point, we could have easily just got off the boat and just said, I'm good. I mean, we bought, Terry got public subs, dude. Y'all like public subs? Oh, yeah. yeah. After that great dive, you know what I did? I pounded a public sub. It was awesome, the whole thing, man. And so we had to wait an hour for our bodies to be able to be ready to dive again. And um, so we're there, pounded public sub, had a whole Gatorade, man. I'm feeling good. And, you know, if I wanted to, I could have just quit right then and there. But if I would have quit right then and there, I would have missed everything that was going to happen on the next dive. And you know what? That's what happens in our Christian faith sometimes in our walk with Christ, man. How many of you have ever like, man, you, t- you stepped out and you just like jumped off the boat. You got off the deck. You dove in and went deep. And then you experienced something. then once you came up, it was awesome. But then you never got off the deck again. You ever have those times in your life? Mm-hmm. Man, if you're in one of those, today's message is for you. It's for me, because here's what it was. I was kind of feeling pretty comfortable. And then they start taking us on another, you know, he says, all right, we're getting ready to go. We're gonna go up to, what did he call it? The channel or the? Oh, the uh, Shark Canyon. But the the canyon. canyon, he just, he just calls canyon. it the Canyon. Not Shark Canyon, but the Canyon, okay? <laughs> and, uh, and so he's going, we're gonna go to the Canyon. And at the Canyon, there's an amphitheater. And Terry's over there. All the people that have been on the boat are like winking at each other, like, oh, you know, we're like all looking like, dude, what are we going to be bait? You know, and and so he he goes and I could have just quit. I could have been there. But all of a sudden they're like, okay, here's the deal. And The guy draws it out. He said, you're going to go north and then northwest around this corner. And and this reef turns around and there's a big sand pit in the middle. It's called the amphitheater, he said. If And he's like going, if you hang tight in the amphitheater and just relax, there will be a show that goes on all around you. Little did I know what that show was going to be. It was awesome. And so I'm getting a little kind of like, not apprehensive, but I'm just like, dude, I'd like to know a little more about this show. But I'm with Terry, and I'm just hanging with him. And um, so here it is. I could have stayed on deck, but what did I do next? Man, I dove in. Boom. And we went down about 80 feet. We're down 80 feet, and we start exploring. and I'm like, okay, this is just like everything else. Plus, I have a four-foot spear gun, so if anything's coming, I can poke them away or whatever. But then we get to the amphitheater. And in the amphitheater, man, it was probably this curl about as big as this room, and the ledges were maybe like almost to those windows, and the ledges went under, and on top is covered with the most beautiful tropical fish you've ever seen. This is just down in West Palm, man. And then underneath, there's Gary the grouper, right? He's got his own Facebook page, they say. And um, he's a big Goliath grouper. And if you spear stuff, he takes stuff off your spear or he'll bump you and all. They did tell us that and I'm thinking, I do not want to get bumped by a grouper eight, you know, 80 feet down below. And so Gary left us alone and I'm like, awesome, this is good. So we start settling in and all of a sudden, man, here comes a great, here comes a Caribbean reef shark, maybe about six, seven feet just swimming in Big long tail fin, big dorsal fin, graceful as can be. It swims right by where Karen's at right now in front of me. And as I look closer, I see all kinds of fish hooks hanging out of its mouth. <laughs> so I'm like, dude, this thing does eat. This is one of them Disney sharks. This is real. And, and then another one comes. And another one comes. Maybe a half a dozen, would you say, at one point? At least. And and so I'm up in this little like amphitheater and I've got these sharks swimming under me. I've got them swimming over me. I've got them swimming around me. And these are real ones, not Disney ones. All right. And and I'm just thinking and I'm 80 feet down. And and if I would not have dove off of the boat, if I would not have gotten off the deck, dove in and gone deep, I would not have gotten to experience that. And some of you are like. Yeah, you should have stayed on deck, (laughs) but you know what, when you're 80 feet down, as I find out later, and I'll tell you this story another day when it goes with the message, but... You can't just shoot straight up. <laughs> it's not good for you, okay? but you, So when you're 80 feet down and you've got all this going on, you got two choices. One, you can freak out and be very uncomfortable and, 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 and be afraid of the situation you're in and just start panicking, which is not going to do anything because I've always told my kids panic. Kills. Panic kills. You can't panic. And, or you can just realize, dude, God has got me right where he wants me, and there's something for me to see here. There's something for me to experience. And it's the same way in our Christian life, guys. We dive in. We get off the deck. We dive in and we go deep. And how many of you ever gone deep and ended up in a scary place? You ever been in a scary place? You feel like you got these sharks around. But if you know that you're right where God wants you, you don't have to worry about a single thing. And I will tell you that I got all my digits. (laughs) Not a single shark bumped me, hit me, anything. And to this day, dude, I even close my eyes sometimes night, and I just remember it was one of the coolest things I've got to experience. But if I would have never gotten off the deck, if I would have never dove in and I would have never gone deep, I would have missed that whole experience. Now, that experience may not be something that's awesome to you, as awesome as it is to me. And I want to go do it again. I can't wait. But there's other experiences out there for you. There's spiritual experiences. There's things God has planned for us since the beginning of time for us to experience spiritually. But if we never get off the church deck, if this is as far as we go as church and we never get off the deck and we never we never dive down and get to where, you know, if I am on deck, am I going to have Susan? Am I going to have any problem breathing if I'm on deck? No, dude. But once I dive in, what am I dependent upon now, Steve? Dude, the tank and the regulator, all of that equipment that could fail. Dude, I'm now dependent. I can't breathe that air up there anymore. I am totally dependent on something that's foreign to me, something that's not natural. And, and, and unless I'm willing to take that risk, I'm going to miss everything that I could experience down there. And you know what? There's carnal things you can experience and church people are experiencing them all the time things they want to call supernatural, things they want to call spiritual. Oh, look at this, look at this. But I'm not. I'm telling you, once you dive in, where you've got nobody to depend on but God, He's your regulator, He's your tank, and you dive in, and He either works for you or He doesn't. You're going to sink or swim. You're either going to live or die, man. When you do that, that's when you get to see the mighty hand of God work. He's given us opportunities every day to get off of the deck, I've told you before, man, where we live right here. The new stats going all the way back. This is the most unchurched place in America right here. There's other terms for it. We live in the greatest mission field in America. And every day we've got opportunities to get off the deck and dive in and go deep. And experience supernatural things. How many of you have ever been apart, watched something dead come alive? How many of you have ever seen seen Roadkill? Roadkill, right? Robert, you saw, you saw some roadkill, right? Oh, yeah. What was it? It's just dead stuff on the road. Yeah, dude, like a possum, man. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. the dead possum, or raccoon, or armadillo, or something. And, and would that not be an awesome thing to see that all of a sudden come back to life? Would that not be cool? Yeah, you're saying, that's creepy. But, dude, it would be awesome if some dead come to life. That's what he's called us to do. As born again believers, we have the cure to death and the gospel by us just proclaiming it. He puts the power in it and he takes dead, spiritually dead people and brings them alive. But how many of y'all would say it's as scary to share the gospel as it is to jump off into shark infested waters? How many of y'all say it's scary? Yes, it's scary. It's scary, but... It's like you're never going to experience that miracle. You're never going to experience that greatness of God till you get off the church deck, till you jump, dive in, and just trust God. Dive in and go deep. He's got you handled. That's what he wants us to do. Terry, would you have been disappointed in me if I said, Terry, you know, I think I'm pretty cool on the deck here. I'm I know that you paid for this tour, you know, this for my birthday. And I'm not I'm not going in. Would you have been mad at me? I was Yeah. (laughs) Would you have ever taken me again? No. He's still there's some things happened that he he still needs to get up. No, I'm just but you're gonna take me again, right? One day? Yeah, we'll go again. But but yeah man. God set everything up for us to die get off the deck to dive in and go deep. But how many of us are doing it? When's the last time you dove in? You took the risk. You just said, I don't know what is going to happen, but, dude, I'm diving in. I believe God wants me to dive in. I'm diving in, and I'm going deep. I'm getting off the deck. When's the last time you did that? I hope it was today. It was with my family. They rode with me. Whenever they get in the car with me, that's what it is now, but, but seriously, man. So today, we're getting ready to start a transition in the book of Acts. We're going to be looking at Acts chapter 13, and we're only going to look at three verses today. Terry was like, really, only three? We've been doing 43, but I I just do what God tells me to do in all of this. So, uh, again, read this with me. Here's our instructions from God today. Help me out. One, get off the deck, dive in, and go deep. All right. You'd be glad I didn't have you, like, have to stand on your chairs and say, get off the deck, dive in, and go deep. Maybe we can work on that for the ending, okay? You guys think? Wouldn't that be awesome on the video? JJ. All right. So die, get off the deck, dive in and go deep. And here's where we're at in the book of Acts. Up to this point, everything's been centered around Jerusalem. It's all been centered around Peter. And now they're getting ready to do something different. There's been revival going on in the Gentile world in a place called Antioch. And the whole rest of The book of Acts is now going to be about Paul and his buddies reaching out and spreading the gospel into the rest of the world. And the only way they can reach out into the rest of the world is if the deck is Jerusalem. If they get off the deck, they dive in and they go deep. And man, you're going to see them go deep in some deep situations. And you're going to watch God bail them out. You're going to watch God not bail them out and wonder why. And you're going to but you're going to see God being faithful and everything he has them going through is for God's glory and for their good the same way it is for us. So let's take a look and let's see the very beginning, because you know what I'm going to share with you? There are new techniques, new plans, new programs, new all kinds of stuff. But God's plan has never changed. There's one way for somebody to be born again, and that is them surrendering their life to Jesus Christ, him coming in. Him saving them, making them from, go from spiritually dead to spiritually alive. That's the only way it can happen. And how do they find out about the gospel? What's his plan for, Steve, what's his plan? <coughs> uh, is God going to send aliens and beam down the gospel in an LED, you know, some kind of, screen? what's God's plan? He's sending us. us. It's us. We get the opportunity to share this. That's what we're supposed to do. His plan's still the same. And so it starts out and it says, now in the church that was in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menan, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. Let's pick this apart a bit. It says, now in the church that was at Antioch, that was planted. And if you remember back in chapter maybe 11, 9, all back in there, that there was some revival. Somebody had been spreading the gospel to these Gentiles in Antioch. And, and from Jerusalem, they sent Barnabas to go check it all out to see if it was legit. Barnabas went and checked it all out. And he's like, oh, my goodness. And then I think it was in maybe chapter 11 or so at the end of it where they're just like, oh, Man, there's revival and I need help. And that's when God, that's when Barnabas went and found the Apostle Paul, who had been really just being trained by God. And so he brought Paul into all of this, which is who's responsible for the rest of the New Testament. And so there's revival going on in Antioch at this point. People are getting saved left and right. Hey, do you want to give your life to Jesus? Yes. You know, they're going into the bars. Hey, here's what Jesus did. Bam. They're all giving their life to Christ, man. Everywhere they go, the gospel's being preached. And it's kind of interesting. It's not a country gospel. It's interesting that most of the New Testament is really urban. They're going into big major cities and they're sharing the gospel. And then from there, the gospel is being shared in the outskirts and all of that. So it says, but there were certain prophets and teachers. This is how the gospel was being shared. And this is how Christians were being brought up and how they were turning disciples into disciples that were making disciples that were making disciples was through prophets and teachers. And so the word prophet here, uh, when we think of prophets, a lot of times we think of somebody maybe with a crystal ball or they can tell the future, you know, something along those lines. There is some aspect to that from the Old Testament that that is, you know, in the Old Testament we see prophets that God spoke to prophets, prophets spoke to people and said, here's what God's going to do. Now, in the New Testament, even in the book of Acts up to this point, um, bottom line, that's who God used to write scripture. That's what he would tell them, and then they would share what God shared with them, and they would spread it out. But let me ask you a question. Is there any new scripture today? No. No. If J.J. came and said, hey, I have a new book of the Bible I want to share with you guys, what will we do? <laughs> You'd like, no, let's go talk. Let's go on the boat. <laughs> let's go on that boat. <laughs> no, but No, let's go talk. But here's the deal, man. There's no new revelation. There's revelation. On, there, there's one in one interpretation. What were you telling me last week? Help me out. One, one interpretation of many applications. Exactly. One interpretation, many applications. There's no new scripture. And so this word prophet, although in this situation, what it was talking about is God would give revelation. And they would say, boom, here it is. Boom, here it is. Once scripture's completed, we don't need prophets to give us new scripture and somebody's trying to give you new scripture, run, I promise it's not from God. But this word prophet is more of a foreteller than a foreteller, you know? It's someone who's actually proclaiming something. I would equate this word prophet nowadays with more of what we do in church as a preacher somebody preaching the word somebody proclaiming the spiritual gift of prophecy when you break that word up it's kind of talking about somebody who god gives tremendous insight to to say john if you keep doing this this is what's going to happen you know emily if you marry this guy this is what your life's going to look like all right so i'm a prophet when you know you go up to college and you run all that by me right okay when you meet that guy all right <laughs> but seriously a prophet's like you know somebody there are people that have do you know somebody that that is always like, oh, you better look out. Somebody who's, and they're always right about it. Yeah. Somebody who's always like, hey, if you do this, this is going to happen. And you're like, oh, not me. That won't happen. And then boom. Sure enough. There it is again. That's kind of the end. Of, that, that's the what it, the what am I talking about? That's kind of how it, how it kind of works out of what it is, the definition and all this. But really, the way I look at this word profit for us right now is somebody who preaches. And preachers basically someone who's preaching, who's proclaiming, they're proclaiming a message. What's our message we proclaim, Steve? The gospel. The gospel. What's the gospel, bro? That he died for our sins. He died for our sins. He's the only way. But but in that, who needs the gospel? What happens if you accept the gospel? You go to heaven. What if you don't accept the gospel? Exactly there's exactly here's the cure to death if you reject the cure you die eternally and spend eternity in hell if you accept the cure you are saved and you are cured forever from death I mean in essence that's it so let me ask you a question when's the last time you spoke forth that message that's how the gospel was spread they preached the message that look I mean you go back and look at Peter's messages you'll hear Paul's messages. Every message recorded in there in this New Testament, they're preaching the gospel. This is the the main things that keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is Jesus. But today we don't want to step on people's toes. We don't want to hurt people's feelings. And I don't either. I don't either. I don't like it until I realize that that person who God has put in my path, if they died without Christ, they would spend eternity in hell. Think about that. Eternity in hell, there's no coming back. It's a one way ticket. We have the most valuable message there is. And so there needs to be some preaching. It was through preaching and teaching that all of this was saved. was there. And it even goes on further. Here's God's rules for this. Boom, you do it this way, this works. You don't do it this way. This is what happens. God tells us in his word how it all comes together. How not to make the same mistakes again, you know? And so there's got to be preaching. There's got to be people saying, if you continue on this path, here's what's going to happen. If you don't continue on this path, here's what's going to happen. If you stray off, if you do this, somebody's got to be able to tell somebody that. But how many of y'all love to correct people? (laughs) Okay, well, you guys are pointing at each other, so I'm just get—I'm negating, negating that one. All right, I'm leaving that one alone, cause—but—but—but but, but seriously, how many of you—how many of you have a hard time telling somebody something hard? You know, man.
1: The Ashley.
0: we love somebody, we tell them. Yeah. Ashley, you got—you got something green in your teeth right there. <laughs> I'm just no—I mean, how many of y'all would have a hard time telling somebody that? You know what I'm saying? We have a hard time sometimes. And again, we have to preach the truth, but we have to do it in love. But the truth has to be preached. And who is there to preach it? Zane, who's preaching the truth? We are. And if we're not doing it, who is? Exactly. Do you not think we're going to have to answer to God for that? He's given us this gift that keeps on giving, that he wants to give it away away through us, and we don't give it away. Do you not think we're going to have to answer for that? I don't know what all that means, but but man, there's going to be an accountability for all of that. There's got to be the church grew through preaching and teaching. And so in this, the what's the teaching then? So I look at preaching as kind of what I'm doing here. I'm sharing the word and saying, guys, here's a warning. God, here's an encouragement. You do this. This is going to go down. You don't do it. And there it is. But the teaching I'm looking at is more of what we do in our small group. How many of you have ever been in our small groups? You've been in the small groups? And we're getting ready to revive all these small. God's doing something in all of these small groups right now. Because we had some small groups where people moved away. We don't have the small group. So right now, it's wide open to start small groups. Hey, how big are small groups? Are they? They're small. (laughs) Yeah. It's not brain surgery. So do small groups have to be big to be successful? No. In fact, actually, the bigger they get, sometimes the more unsuccessful they are. Small groups are? Small. Small. So could you start a small group in your home? And if one other person showed up, what kind of group would it be? A small group. And would that be okay? Yes, it would be okay. Because what happens in a small group? A small group is now where you take a piece of scripture and where some people come together. And it's not like where you're sitting here listening to me. Because I know half of you have the lights on. Nobody home. You've been in church long enough. You, you've been in church long enough to have that little church stare, right? You know, you're like this. But I see it man. I see your soul. No, I'm just joking. But seriously. Yeah, I mean, you ever, how many of y'all ever been in church thinking about something other than what the dude's talking about? Everyone. How many of y'all are doing it right now? The ones that didn't raise their hand, right? But... But in small group, here's what happens. Somehow, we think we got credit for showing up at church and hearing a few things of what he said, and and that's why, again, that's why I'm doing this. Our main point today is get off the deck. Help me out. Dive in and go deep. If you don't remember anything else, man, you got that. And I get now. I'm just gonna be giving you scripture to back it all up of how to do it. Because yeah, I know, dude, I am those ADD person. That's why God put me up here and not where you're at. Because I would actually just get up and start cleaning the window. I'd do something, man. But we need preachers and teachers. And in the, in the small group that's small, what we do is we, we look at Scripture. We just start reading. In fact, our, our small group format, if this was our small group, this front row, Gary would read a verse, you'd read a verse, you'd read a verse, you'd read a verse, you'd read a verse, I'd read a verse. We keep reading. Verse. And it's like, okay, hey, what stuck out to you out of all these? Well, dude, Abraham was a jerk like me. Yeah. And, and it's like, okay, so how are you going to apply that to your life? Well, I'm trying not to be a jerk like Abraham, you know? I mean, it's as simple as that, but what it precipitates now is discussion. Well, what about this? And it's where we're not just kind of with the lights on, nobody home, but now we develop an intimate relationship. Now we like kind of like have the idea we can open up to somebody, and again, it's not a group therapy session by any means, but it's like, hey, you know what? I'm dealing with this in my life right now, and how do I apply Scripture to that? And we all say, I don't know. (laughs) Go ask God. But sometimes it's like, hey, why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? And so now it brings scripture alive. That's the teaching part of it and teaching good doctrine, teaching what the Bible really says, because so much of what Paul even told Timothy was going to happen in the last days, which we are in right now. I don't know how long the last days uh, last for. But we are in the last days. According to the prophecy in Daniel, we're in the last days. And what he said is people are going to come to churches to hear what they want to hear. And when they start hearing stuff they don't want to hear, it gets uncomfortable and under their skin. And it starts irritating. And it's not what I need. And I'm not being fed. And what happens there, dude, when that's He said that's what's going to happen. And people move on. I heard a guy tell me recently that the most popular church right now is a church plant of one. There are so many people planting church plants of one. And you know what they're doing? They're going on the Internet on Sunday morning. They're turning on whatever preacher they want to hear. And they're now going to church on the Internet. Now, we are on Facebook Live. And, man, when you can't make it, man, oh, I'd love to have you be on there. But there's nothing like being in fellowship with people, You need that fellowship. You need that accountability. If you screw up, anybody ever screw up, mess up? What's one of the hardest things when you mess up? One, say you're wrong and then face the people that all know you messed up, right? But what greater way for people to show you they love you than when you show up and they love you? Because when you don't go with them, when you're out there, when you isolate yourself, man, you can imagine everything that you want to imagine. So... The church grew through preaching and teaching. Yes, they had times where a guy stood up and preached, but they had other times where they sat and they taught each other. Man, we're, um, I'm not going to be there. Are you guys having like Bible study tomorrow night? Yeah, at Monday night Bible study at Vision Hairstyling. It's awesome because what I learned, I learned from everybody else, you know. And everybody learns from everybody in there. And we have a man. When somebody's not there, where are they at? What's going on? You don't get lost in a circle. That's why you need to be part of a small group. And if God's putting in your heart to start a small group, it's not scary, guys. It's not. God's putting in your heart to go to a small group. It's not scary except the first time. Right, Angela? Remember your daughter drug you to a small group? And she had never been in a small group. She just even really kind of said, all right, I'm doing this whole Christian thing this way. I'm giving my life to Christ and, and all this. And came to a small group. For all she knew, we were sacrificing chickens, right? I mean, literally, she walked in thinking... Why are we being isolated in somebody's house? I saw it. I can read your soul, man. No, I'm just joking. She's like, why are we being isolated in somebody's house? And nobody knows where I'm at. And maybe my, you know, and, and, and she's like, what are we going to do? Don't ask me anything. I'm not going to say anything. And then guess what? You know, now she sometimes hosts small groups in her own home because it's just not that scary. It's a good thing. Karen, you guys got one on a Thursday night. That's, that's awesome. And, how, and what size is it? beyond small yeah it's small is it okay yes but it's a time set aside to get together and do what the church is supposed to do so again in Antioch there were certain prophets and teachers there was preaching and teaching going on and God's plan had no has not changed they're still preaching and they're still teaching and that's what then encourages gives us the power the strength the admonition to go out and spread the gospel if you're not under preaching and teaching, then you're going to be preoccupied and distracted by so many other things in this world. Man, there's so much other. You've got to be. You've got to come. Our church model. Anybody remember our model from back in the day? Everybody put your hands up. Big group, little group, go. <laughs> we used to do that here, right? Remember that? Big group, little group, go. That's our church model. This is big group, however big or small it is. But then we have small groups and then we go. Big group is at corporate worship. That's the preaching. This is the teaching. This is the mission where we go on a daily basis as well as a church. Tomorrow, Beach Day, Monday, that's a go, that's a go thing. So you say, man, we only did three verses, but, you know, we we're only one-third of the way to the first one, Terry. Yeah. <laughs> Don't judge it by how many verses. No. But in this, he says, in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. God's plan hadn't changed. But look at these guys. This is pretty cool. Barnabas. Anybody you know, know what the bar, name Barnabas means? Encourager. Encourager. Anybody remember what his name his name was? His name was Joseph, I think it was. And the apostles saw this dude who encouraged people all the time. And they said, we're changing your name to Encourager. Wouldn't that be cool to have your name being changed to Encourager? You know, instead of calling you Am. Hey, Encourager, what's up? Yeah man hey gary gary dude did y'all notice gary was up here on the base man yeah. nice you lost your seat bro didn't you yeah, but that's I like <laughs> up here, man. yeah good to have you on the base but but so barnabas was a jew barnabas was probably cousins with mark who wrote the gospel of mark who was buddies with peter and mark's mom john mark his mom really was a rich lady. We're pretty sure of that. Had a big house and it's where the church in Jerusalem really worshipped a lot and hung out together. And there was a lot going on. So Barnabas and Mark were like these little church kids that grew up in the church. Kind of like Abel and you guys. They grew up in the church here and Barnabas, he was a Jew and, and he, he grew up in it and then he got saved as a born again believer and he said, man, this gospel is real. I'm encouraging people to give their life to Christ. So there's this Jew Barnabas who now was part of the original church DNA that now is in Antioch. Look who else is here. Simeon, who is called the Niger. Niger means black. And so we believe he was from uh, Africa, from northern Africa. And uh, some people, there's not a lot of proof to this. But do you remember the dude who carried Jesus' cross? Yeah, Simon of Cyrene, Cyrene. right? Well, a lot of people believe that this dude was Simon of Cyrene. Can you imagine if you were pulled off the street to carry Christ's cross? It's either going to have a very positive effect on you or a negative effect. But on this dude, according to church fathers, it had a positive effect. He carried Christ's cross, and now he said, dude, I'm carrying it the rest of my life. And so this guy now, he's part of this church plant in Antioch. Look at the next one, Lucius of Cyrene. And so Lucius of Cyrene, we know he's from Cyrene. So he's another black, a black man that's from northern, up in Africa there. And we know that he was one of the founding fathers of the church of, of uh, Antioch. And then this other dude, check this out. Menaean, who has been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. And so Herod the Tetrarch, um, he was the guy. What happened to John the Baptist? Anybody remember what happened to John the Baptist? Yeah, Had his head cut off. Hey, guess who cut his head off? Herod the Tetrarch. Okay, because he's living an immoral life. And, 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 and so he cut his head off. Who did Jesus face in one of his trials? Herod the Tetrarch. This dude, Manan, either the when it talks about him being brought up in that Greek word, it's talking about almost, he could either have been a very close friend or he could have been an adopted stepbrother of some sort. But this dude grew up with Herod the Tetrarch. One of them killed John the Baptist and put Jesus on the cross. The other one now has now given his life and dedicated his entire life to worshiping him and sharing this glorious gospel. That's who this Manaean dude is. He grew up with Herod and went totally different paths. I want you to see the diversity in this church in Antioch. Hey, you know what's cool about Driftwood? It's not homogenous. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times people come into Driftwood and they look and they're like, dude, how come these people are with these people and with these people? It's not you guys aren't all the same. You're all just different. That's weird. Mm -hmm. But the thing that binds us together is the gospel, the word of God, the love of Christ in that. And and I'm proud of that. But look at the Yeah, this guy, He, he he grew up with Herod. And then look at the last guy. Saul, he's the guy that persecuted the Christians, responsible for stoning Stephen, but got saved. He came now on to help Barnabas in in reaching the people in Antioch and just dealing with this revival going on. And he's going to pretty much take things over. So let's take a look at what happens next in all this. Let's take a look at what happens next in this. Oh, maybe I turn this off. OK, it says and they minister to what? To the Lord. To the Lord. Hey, I thought ministry like I'm a pastor and I minister and I get you guys to help me. And and I thought that ministry was I minister to the congregation. I minister to the sheep. I minister to the to the flock that's here. I minister to you. What? Who did they minister to the Lord? Lord. And that's where it started. And you know what? Sometimes we get things upside down. And if what we do is we minister to the congregation as opposed to ministering to the Lord, we miss what the Lord has for us to do. And I can't tell you a a more prevalent description of the whole church growth movement I grew up in in the last 20 years. What happened was the church, for a lot of reasons, stopped listening to God. And started basically just trying to grow and populate a church ministering to people. <laughs> and got away from doing what God wanted it to do. And I was just as guilty. I've looked back in my ministry. When I was at a 9,000 member church in Orlando, I looked back at my staff meetings, all the different things. And I, and I, and I cringe to think of how many decisions we made as pastors that had nothing to do with what God told us to do. But everything in the world to do with how do we not lose these people to these people? How do we keep this program going, even though we don't even want to do it? Because, but they're going to switch churches, and there's not going to be as much money in the offering. And if I'm blowing your whole idea of church world, I'm sorry. But there's a lot of that going on, and, and, and we're missing what Scripture says. Because look at this. They ministered to who? And that's what you got to do. As believers, it hasn't changed. We minister to the Lord. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, He causes you to love others. It's got to be that. You've got to be doing what God wants you to do and then he will tell you what to do with others. And and that's the way it works. You love him with everything, he's going to cause you to love others. It goes from him to others, to people. And then you get the residual, the benefit from all of that. But if you turn it around and you're ministering to people, it's not likely you're going to be doing what the Lord wants you to do. And you're not going to have the guts to do what the Lord wants you to do. So they minister to the Lord And look at this next part They what? They fast What does fasting mean? Hey Judy what's fasting? They give up something they really like to do Okay give up They're giving up something physical To attain something spiritual What would cause somebody to do that? Have you ever had a desire To know something You had a desire for God to do something So much that you even just lost your appetite have you ever had such a desire for God that, that you would be willing to give up something physical to get something spiritual back from him? That's what fasting is. And is there a command? Are we commanded in the Bible to fast? No, no there's no commandment to fast. But Jesus just expected his people to do it. And you know why? Because we're supposed to love the Lord our God with what? With all our, with all our heart. Hey, when you love somebody with all your heart, um, <laughs> does a cheeseburger get in the way? <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, it can, but not if you love with all. If you love someone with all your heart, man, and you want to hear, I mean, you, you'd look, look at all these love stories. People travel all over the place trying to get to somebody and all the things you go through for people that you love. If you love them with all your heart, he's going to give you, there's going to be desires for him <coughs> that supersede or pre, oh, oh, everything, that take over everything. But we're wrapped up in a world right now. That I think has distracted us a world where he's not priority, a world where as soon as we start thinking about him, something goes off on our phone, right? Something happened and get a, something, some kind of alert comes up and we're so distracted. But here, these folks, man, had such a desire for God that it even superseded, superseded their desire to eat And now we can fast. And if you ever do need something from God, you need an answer. You need to know what your next move is. You need to know something. Man, do that. And every time you start feeling that hunger pain or whatever it is you physically want, use that to trigger you to talk to God and say, God, I'm surrendering something physical because I need something spiritual. You know, in Mark at the end, it says something or he said, some things only come out by prayer and fasting. In the original language, that's not together fasting. It was just, it's just that it's at by prayer. But people didn't pray without fasting back in that day. And it's something that's a lost art. That's something that's very valuable that I'd encourage you to do. Now look at this: they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Spirit said. So where did they get their where did they get their advice from? Where did they get their church growth plan from? From the Holy Spirit of God. And that was only after prayer and after fasting. They ministered to the Lord and they fasted. So they were ministering, doing what God wanted them to do, getting that. And they were fasting. And as they were moving, doing what God wanted them to do, God gave them the next directions. He said, now separate me, Barnabas and Saul. How valuable were Barnabas and Saul to this church? How yeah, they, they were it. I mean, all right, and, and I'm not saying, I'm the guy who preaches. JJ's the one who sets everything up right now, and um, and his wife goes with him. She kind of leads the band, and my wife makes coffee and stuff. What if God said, I want Eddie and JJ to take off and go to Fort Pierce and start another church? Would this one right here still exist? Yes. yes. I hope so. So who would step up and take over? Who would step up and preach? Who would step up and do music? Who would step up and make coffee? Who would step up, oh, I got the coffee? <laughs> Who would step up? Who's God calling to do this? Because maybe God does want to do something like that. But what would happen? And so here, look who God takes. Separate to me Barnabas and Saul. Dude, those were the two big players in that Antioch church. Now that you got things going, take them out and I'm sending them somewhere else and you get rolling. Do you know that is the plan for Driftwood when God originally gave us the vision for Driftwood? That we were never going to be a big church and, and when we, that's what the people here asked us. They said, what's going to happen when you outgrow this building? And we were like, well, they said, you will outgrow it. What's going to happen when you outgrow it? Are you going to leave us like the other churches? And we said, no, we'll, we'll stay here. Because our plan from the very beginning was to stay small. And as it grew, that God would then send and we'd make little sand dunes all up and down the east coast of Florida. We are three years into Driftwood, and I don't have a time frame. I don't have to know the time frame, and it's not time yet. But I do know that's what's going to happen, that at some point, that's what God wants to do. And that is the New Testament plan that he's given us. So he said, the Holy Spirit said, separate Barnabas and Saul. What if the people were picking? Would they have picked Paul and Barnabas? They like Barnabas being an encourager. They like Saul's preaching. They liked all that. Would they have the, no, let's pick somebody who nobody knows and send them out. No, God takes out what he wants to take out. And so he said, separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Hey, what does it mean to be separate from something? Oh, what does it mean to be separate from something? Okay, special or, or yeah, you, you're, you're separated from something. I wonder if in our life there's things we need to separate ourselves from so that we could do the work that God wants us to do. I wonder if there's stuff getting in the way of us doing what God is calling us to do in that. Dude, I'm going to be in big trouble if we don't get that back. Okay, there it is. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So he said, separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I've called them. What's God called you to do? I'll never forget this, uh, Jim Gallagher, when I first was, he's a pastor at Calvary Chapel, Vero Beach. When I was first in a situation where I didn't know what I was doing next, I thought God was going to give me another church and you know, let me pastor, and I, I didn't know what was going on, and I met with Jim and um, and Pete, and we met there, and we were talking, and Jim's like, hey, what do you want to do? And I said, well, dude, I'm a pastor. That's all I can do. That's all I've done for 20-something years. He said, no, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to be a pastor. He said, I, I said, that's how I make a living. I, I, I love people. I preach his word. And I said, and God has taken care of me through that. What do you not get, Jim? You know, because he kept saying, what do you really want to do? And I'm like, dude, I really want to be a pastor. <laughs> I have been. I think I've done okay. I still want to be one. I'm not that bad at it. I don't think. And, and, I'm, and, and, and he's like, no, 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 no. He said, listen. He said, "Okay, let me ask you a question. And I I had gotten some severance because God had separated me from a church that I didn't I I didn't fit in anymore. And I knew I wasn't supposed to be there, but he hadn't opened another door. And the reason he didn't open the doors because we were supposed to start this. But at the time, I didn't know any of this. And I'm asking Jim, he said, let me ask you a question. He said, what if your severance never went away? What would you do? He said, what if you didn't have to worry about money? What if your severance never went away? What if you were going to continue having insurance, a paycheck, everything, but no responsibilities, and you could pick whatever it is, what would you do? And I said, that's easy. I'd go out to the beach. I'd go where people surf. I'd go where they're palpable. I would go find people out at the beach, and I'd share the gospel with them like I do now. He said, well, that's what you've got to do. And I'm like, well, how am I going to pay the bills? He's gonna, you're going to trust God. But I have been trusting God. And God's like, no, you're going to trust him in a whole new way. God was speaking to my heart saying, you're going to trust me in a whole new way like you've never trusted me. I said, have you talked to my wife about this? (laughs) I wasn't talking to her about it. (laughs) He had to. But in that, that's when he said, when you can separate how you make a living from what God's called you to do, you'll get to do what God's called you to do. Think about that. When you can separate how you make a living from what God's called you to do, you'll get to do what God called you to do. And I started thinking back of all the staff meetings I had been in where we made decisions not based on what God wanted us to do, but what was going to be financially best for the church and was not financially prudent and so on. And it just started bringing conviction after conviction. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness, God, you're asking me to get off the deck of having a salary, getting off the deck of having insurance and just having what everybody else has to take care of my family. You're asking me really to dive in and totally trust you and nothing else. Because at that point, he was reminding me that I had been trusting him, but I'd also been trusting that church bank account. Mm i had been trusting my bank account. And he let me kind of deplete that whole bank account thing. (laughs) Right, honey? (laughs) (laughs) He had let us deplete it all where now it was just like, guys, you're diving in. You're either going to stay on deck and you're going to be there miserable because you're not doing what God wants you to do. Or you are going to dive in and you're going deep. And I'm going to tell you, it's one of the hardest things ever to do. But I wouldn't trade it for anything three years later. i would never got to meet you guys. <laughs> I look at you guys. I, look at, I, remember when God, I remember when God brought you in our parking lot. I remember when I first saw you guys, man, at dinner at at Susie and Milton's house. I remember each of you guys. Savannah, you remember a year and a half ago or so, you came in and we were downstairs and packed, and we were like sardines, and then I never saw you again. I saw you two weeks ago, like, oh! I remember. I remember meeting with you guys. I remember, man, every one of you guys. I remember meeting you last week, talking. I remember you guys, and I would not have gotten to know you and love you and be able to be your pastor if god had not given me what it took to just jump in dive in and go deep man you guys dude first time you guys are kind of like oh dude a family's here <gasps> <laughs> i remember when we would go visit places up in the panhandle and our family would walk into a little church and all of a sudden everybody hey you want to ring the bell <laughs> you, are, you, are, you remember that <laughs> hey there's a family let's talk you know that's what i felt like oh if they would just come back, you know, you guys may not know how special each one of you are. And I'm sorry for leaving any of you guys out. But what I'm saying is, man, I love you guys. And God gave me that ability. God brought you guys here. And if you never come back. Well, you're supposed to be somewhere else. But you were here. And if I would not have dove in, just jumped, got off the deck, dove in and gone deep, we've never got to be with you guys. Man, and I'm so grateful for every bit of that. And so that's what he said after they had been doing what God said to do, totally trusting in that regulator and air tank, not what they could breathe naturally, but now the breath of the Holy Spirit. And they jumped in. And, and, and it was just then that now God said, separate to me Barnabas and Saul and let them do what I've actually called them to do. Man, when I was sitting down there in the amphitheater, and I had those sharks swimming around me and under me, that's kind of how I felt. It's was like, wow, how many people get to experience this? God let me experience How many of y'all have ever experienced that? Uh, cool. Anybody else? Steve, you ever had that? Yeah. You didn't raise your hand, man. Come on. How many of y'all got to experience it? How many of you have never experienced it? And how many of you have hope you never experience it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, get off the deck, dive in and go deep because it's cool. It isn't what you would have chose. I'm kind of glad Terry didn't give me all the details now. Dude, I'm all over it, you know. But that's it. When you dive in and go deep, man, and you're with God, he will present opportunities and situations for you that you could not even imagine. When I got up that morning, I was imagining Shooting grouper, I was imagining cleaning hogfish on the way. I was not imagining having sharks all over me and around me, but I wouldn't have traded it for the world. And it's the same way whenever I get off the deck and I dive in and go deep with God. And so, man, that's what God's saying right here. It's still His plan. And then look what happens. Then having fasted and prayed some more, asking God, God, are you sure this is what you want, man? Are you sure this is what... And by the way... Before Jesus died, how did they communicate with Jesus? Before he died, when the disciples were walking around, how did they talk to him? Yeah, face to face, right? And and the whole night before, you know, Jesus died and all this, he's trying to tell them all that stuff in John, the end of John, that, hey, I'm going to send another comforter. There's going to be somebody for you to talk to. I'm not going to leave you alone. You're going to have a Holy Spirit live inside you that is just like me. And I want you to talk to him. It's going to be just like talking to me. And so if Jesus was alive and, and somebody said, send Barnabas and Paul away, they would like, hey, Jesus, are you sure that's what we want to do? But now how do we talk to Jesus now? We pray. And so that's what they're just doing what they were taught. They, they fasted and they prayed. And I think this fasting thing isn't so much of a sacrifice as it is that I'm so into wanting to know what God wants. The food's the last thing on my mind. Now, I know at 11 o'clock, that's hard for you guys to think about right now. (laughs) Anybody here thinking about the line at where you're going to eat? Dude, if you just hurry up three minutes, we will be out of here and we will beat the Methodist. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just just saying, man. (laughs) Because when the Methodists take over, Taco Bar, man, it's all, they eat all the good stuff. But I just really think that that's why fasting and prayer went together. Well, because they were so consumed with praying. It's like in heaven. Dude, are we going to be worried about food in heaven? I think God's going to have to make us eat if we have to eat. I think, or we're going to have to eat with him. I think we're going to be so blown away by him. Just like, oh, God, you're so awesome. He's like, yeah, I want you to grab. Not that you have to, but here, try this. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying when you're so enamored, so into something, you neglect other things. And that's, I want, I think that's really the description of their prayer life. That's why James is called old camel knees, man. When's the last time you've been so into prayer that you have just lost everything else for hours? We don't even have those attention spans anymore. And it's to our loss. Because look what happens through that. Prayer is where the power comes. That's where the power comes from. So having fasted and prayed... They laid hands on them, and they sent them away. And now that wasn't like transferring some power, you know. It was basically they laid hands, and they said, you know what? You represent us. Go represent us in Christ throughout the community. Go. We all testify and believe God is sending you guys out. Go. And so that's the deal on this. So here's what I'm saying to you again. Help me out. The first thing is get off the Dive in and go deep. If you will get off the deck, I know every one of you who's following him, there's some way, there's something. What's scary for you, Angela, maybe isn't scary for Tom. And what's scary for Tom isn't scary for you. I don't know. But every one of us has something where I think God is telling us to get off the deck. There's something I want you to step out and do. How many of y'all got something like that? And you just Maybe you don't even know what it is yet. Anybody have like a get off the deck thing going on right now? Maybe we need to start praying and fasting and, and asking God, hey, God, what's my get off the deck? Because just possibly there may be an unlimited supply of public subs on that deck and you're just pretty cool. there, listening to everybody else's stories. You're, you're OK with the fact of the missionaries coming back up and telling you about all the cool things they saw and what they experienced and what they did. Maybe you've just gotten used to the scenery around. Oh, is in the ocean. Oh, did you see that turtle up there? And we're like, no, dude, did you see that turtle down there? It was 10 times better than the turtle head you saw up here. You know, maybe you just got comfortable on the deck and you think that's all it is. Well, hey, I'm on the deck. Look at those people on the dock. At least I'm on the deck. Well, yes, you are. But that's not where God wants you to stay. So I'm just wondering where... What is your get-off-the-deck thing right now? And if you don't have one, ask him for it. Say, God, where, where do you want me to get off the deck? And you know what? He'll probably say something to you, Emily. Like, well, I don't want you to be a veterinarian. I want you to go work with underprivileged children in third world countries. And now you got a choice. Mm-hmm. But my whole life I was going to be this. But then as you surrender to him, do you even want to be a vet anymore? No. <laughs> you don't even want to be a vet. You want to be a missionary. Yeah. As you surrender dude man he starts changing things and so how many of y'all have a have a deck moment right now and now you're at the point where now you got to dive in how many of y'all for right now it's scary to dive in because there's a lot of unanswered questions there's a lot of things like what if how's that I mean do I know that that my tank is I've got that tank from Terry I mean that would have been a pretty cool trick, and I put air in it right <laughs> yeah I trusted him you know, I'm trusting a regulator. Uh, I don't even, do, Steve, do you know how the whole regulator thing works? Like, could you describe it to us right now, the whole thing? What? In depth, uh, can you fix all the regulators there are? I cannot fix all the regulators. All the regulators you've ever used? No. Have you ever just, like, trusted and said, dude, I think I'm going to put my life under, you know, in, in the hands of this regulator. I'm just jumping in, going 80 feet, and I'm going to trust that it's going to change that high-pressure air into air that can fit in my lungs? Yeah. You ever trusted that? Oh, wow. Yeah. Dude, we're trusting all kinds of things. How many of y'all are trusting that that guy when the light turns green? How many of y'all are trusting that, that guy coming the other way is going to stop because his is red? Yeah. Well, if it's Venus Williams, No, I'm just joking. If I'm just, that's all been proved wrong. All right. But how many of y'all how many of y'all are going to trust like when you flip that little switch that the lights are going to go on? How many are you going to trust that that thermostat is going to be smart enough to, re- to, to, to keep your house that cool? You know how? Look at all the things we trust. But the one thing that we can trust more than anything is God. And what God says is, I got you on the deck. Get off the deck. Dive in and go deep. And man, you'll get to see things you would never experience. The same way, like I said, when I was diving, if I wouldn't have dove in and gone deep, Those sharks didn't come and do a little little show up top. You had to go deep to see that coolness. And spiritually, it's the same way. Let's pray. Father, um, it's got to be your Holy Spirit that takes this message and speaks to each heart that's here. Father, I pray that um, if there's somebody here that's never given their life to Christ, they're not sure that when they die, they're going to heaven. I pray you would give them a desire that they cannot refuse to put their faith and trust in you and what Christ did on the cross. Father, I think back at the story in Numbers where they were getting bit by snakes and and crying out to Moses, asking him for a cure. And Moses came to you and you said, make a statue of a snake and put it on a pole. And anybody that looks at that snake on a pole and believes that they'll be healed will be healed. Uh, It seemed pretty ridiculous for people without faith, but you gave enough people the desire and ability to believe in that, that they were healed. And the same way Jesus was lifted up on a cross, and if we can believe that what he did on the cross pays for our sins, we can be healed from death. I pray if someone needs that healing today, that they would get it. Father, I pray for those of us that know we're believers. We know we're your children. We know that the moment we die, we're going to heaven. And we're not afraid of that, Father. I pray that we would get off the deck. If we don't think there's a reason to get off the deck, I pray that the moment we walk out of here, you would start showing us millions of reasons to get off the deck. And, Father, as we get off the deck and have to trust you, um, Father, all the way down to the bottom as we dive off and go deep, just continue to give us confidence Put that confidence in us continually to just be able to trust you, to just be able to keep our eyes focused on you, knowing that you've got it all taken care of. So, Father, for whatever it means to anyone here, I pray we get off the deck, dive in, and go deep. And I thank you for giving this word to me and giving me the ability to share it with others. But it's your Holy Spirit that's got to apply it. And I can't wait to see what you're going to do, because we've all heard it. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name.